Hello dear listeners, whether you're just finding us or have been with us for a while, welcome. At Dreams and Crimes, we've got a treasure trove of stories waiting to be discovered. We like to describe them as a cosy blanket after a long day of work, or a ticket to a thrilling adventure before bed. If you're a long-time listener, thanks for sticking with us. Your support means the world. Want to take it up a notch? Consider subscribing to Dreams and Crimes on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. We're cooking up something special, turning these stories into videos. We've put a lot of efforts into them, and they're actually super good. And now, let's dive into today's story. Page's Dirty Little Secret On the afternoon of June 28, 2007, Paige Bergfeld drove two hours from her home in Grand Junction, Colorado, to Eagle, Colorado, for a picnic she had planned with her ex-husband, Howard Beegler. Eagle was the midpoint mark between Grand Junction and Howard's home in Denver, so it was the perfect meeting point for both of them. Howard and Paige were high school sweethearts, but it was a typical story. They fell in love when they were young, and it just didn't work between the two and they divorced after only two years. But now, several years later, there was a lot of water under the bridge. Paige was now 34 and had three kids and divorced a second time. She was hoping to rekindle some of the romance she and Howard felt when they were young. Paige's second marriage was to Rob Dixon. Rob came from a very wealthy family. They made their money in the cell phone industry in its infancy, and Rob didn't need to work for a living. Rob had a collection of sports cars, including a bright yellow Ferrari, and lived in a million-dollar home. When he and Paige first started dating, he showered her with lavish gifts like a $12,000 necklace. When Rob proposed to her with an $85,000 engagement ring, she couldn't say no. Rob and Paige had three adorable kids and lived the perfect life. But when Rob made a string of bad investments, his demeanor turned, and he showed he had an angry side. During one of their arguments, Paige had to call the police. My husband and I were in a fight, and he was supposed to watch the children while I went to work. He said I would come home and find them all murdered. Police filed no charges on that occasion, but the arguments didn't stop, and it wasn't long before the cops were called again, and Rob was arrested for third-degree assault after he punched and slapped Paige. Paige wrote in her blog, My children would ask me if Dad was going to kill me. I can't imagine what life would be like for them after he killed me. When the two divorced after eight years of marriage, Paige gained custody of the kids and kept the house in Grand Junction with its whopping $6,000 per month mortgage payment. Though stuck with a huge mortgage and not much help from her ex, Paige was determined to make it work. She loved her kids more than anything in the world and turned to her entrepreneurial skills to help support her family. She started a string of dance studios for kids. She sold nursing slings for new mothers, and she sold cookware through a company called Pampered Chef. But that Thursday in June, Paige was interested in love. She was hoping there might be a spark left with her first husband, Howard Beegler. The two met for their picnic in Eagle, Colorado, and that evening, Paige left for the two-hour drive back to Grand Junction. Paige was due to be home that night, but when she wasn't home by 11 p.m., 
and there was no reply when calling her cell phone, her kids were terrified. The three children were being watched by their babysitter who didn't speak English, which added to the confusion. The poor children, the oldest of which was only eight years old, spent the following day not knowing what had happened and no idea what to do. The kids finally called Howard in Denver, who told them to have their babysitter take them to the police station, and Howard immediately called the Mesa County Sheriff. Howard told police he had spoken to her around 9 p.m. Thursday night after their picnic earlier in the day. She called and said she was just pulling into Grand Junction and had a few people to meet before she went home, but he didn't know who she was meeting with. Paige Bergfeld was listed as a missing person that Saturday afternoon and her family and friends were notified. The first place to look was the last person to see Paige, which was her ex-husband, Howard. But he was quickly eliminated as a suspect when phone records showed that he spoke with Paige at 9 p.m. that night as she was driving into Grand Junction, and he was on his cell in Denver. Paige's second ex-husband, Ron, was also an immediate suspect because they had such a tumultuous relationship. But now he was living in Pennsylvania and was eliminated as a suspect as well. By that evening, there were over 100 people searching for her, and police had forensic sniffer dogs looking for clues. But an ominous clue came that evening from a 911 call to police. In an empty lot in an industrial part of town, Paige's car was found burning. An obvious arson. Someone was trying to get rid of evidence. When police searched the remains of the burned-out car, there were some additional signs of foul play. The driver's seat was pushed back to its furthest position. Paige was only five foot four. With the seat pushed back that far, she wouldn't have even been able to reach the pedals. Someone very tall had been driving her car. Inside the trunk, investigators found Paige's day planner. Amazingly, though damaged, it survived the fire, but someone had torn out the last four days of the planner. Those pages would have shown who she met that night. Again, someone was covering up evidence. The forensic dogs tracked a scent at the car and followed it about 500 feet away to a mechanic's shop that serviced RVs, where the scent disappeared. Despite having so many volunteers searching for Paige, the Grand Junction area has huge amounts of vast open spaces. The Colorado River pours into the Gunnison River and twists and turns for hundreds of miles. There were literally thousands of square miles for someone to disappear. Investigators then concentrated their efforts on the last activity of Paige's cell phone. On the evening that Paige went missing, her last call was to Howard, but earlier that day there were calls from another number that wasn't in her contacts. There were three calls coming in and two going out. Further investigation of her cell phone revealed that Paige led a secret life that her friends and family didn't know about. There were voicemails left from men asking to meet her in hotel rooms. Besides teaching dance and selling cookware, Paige was selling sex. No one had any idea that the sweet, loving mother of three was secretly running an escort business she called Models Incorporated. 
You're about to listen to a trailer for Season 3 of the Daily Bedtime Tale podcast. Enjoy. In sociological terms, they call it the fundamental attribution error. Basically, it means that when people see someone in a bad situation, they tend to believe that individual brought it on themselves. What did I think of the homeless before I became one of them? Not much is the short answer. This is the story of Lee Crawford and how a series of bad choices flipped her life upside down. But what if there's an escape? For a moment, I close my eyes, let tears flow down my face. I want to go home. I want to get in my car and drive back across the country to New York. But I can't. I have torched and burned every bridge behind me. My family hates me. I have no friends left. When my restaurant was failing, I lied, I cheated, and I manipulated. I destroyed people, hurt the ones I loved. One night, sleeping in her car with an ocean view, a desperate cry shattered the silence. I'm sorry. And then I hear a splash. What the hell is this woman doing? It's just April. The Pacific will be frigid. I see her, standing hip-deep in the water. She closes her eyes. And then she goes under. I run into the water and feel the icy chill. It won't take long for her or me to go numb, to succumb to the cold. She is moving away from me, but slowly. Her legs kick weakly, her arms barely move. She is fading, it's clear. And then she stops moving altogether, and her body goes limp. Her long, dark hair floats around her like sea snakes. With a few strong strokes, I am on her. I reach out and grab her jacket, drag her toward the surface. If I hadn't heard her cries, this stranger would have drowned, as she clearly intended. You should have left me. I don't want to be here. Little did Lee know this encounter would change her life forever. Listen to Daily Bedtime Tales Season 3 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. When they did further digging, they found photos of Paige, a beautiful, thin, strawberry blonde, listed on escort websites under the name Carrie. Paige was working as an escort to pay the bills and bring her three kids up by herself. The police were particularly interested in the five phone calls on Paige's phone number from earlier in the day. One message left from that number was a man that called himself Jim. Hello, yeah, this is Jim, just calling to see if Carrie was available tonight. Detectives discovered the phone calls came from a track phone, a disposable prepaid cell phone. Only five calls were made to or from the phone, all to Paige's Models Incorporated number. Track phones can be somewhat anonymous, but in this instance, police could tell exactly where and what time it was purchased. It was purchased just two days earlier on June 26th at the local Walmart. Police contacted the Walmart and acquired surveillance video taken during the purchase. The video showed a large white male in his 60s buying the phone. Upon further digging, they found that the man's name was Lester Jones, and he worked at Bob Scott RV, the same RV shop just 500 feet from where Paige's car was found in flames. Lester Jones had a prior conviction on his record. 
1999, he was convicted of first-degree sexual assault and kidnapping of his own ex-wife. Lester Jones was also a very tall man. At six foot five, Jones would have needed to push a car seat all the way back to drive it. Police obtained a warrant to search the RV shop where Jones worked. There, they found that Lester Jones had a secret life of his own under the name of Jim. During the search, they found packets of Viagra, condoms, and men's toupees. They also found handwritten lists with notes about certain escorts, including their appearances, websites, personalities, types of sex they would perform, and bra sizes. But the most damning two pieces of evidence they found were a gas canister and a food scale made by Pampered Chef, the same company that Page worked for. Detectives also took the sniffer dogs back to the burned car. The dogs were able to find the scent of Lester Jones in the front seat of the car. Police brought Jones into the sheriff's office for interrogation where he flatly denied everything. He denied ever meeting Paige or even knowing who she was. He denied buying the track phone and denied making the calls. When police showed him the surveillance video, he said it wasn't him. Later, he admitted to being at the Walmart at that time, but he said he was purchasing a monster cable. Despite the confirmation of the video, receipt, and the clerk remembering selling him the track phone. When asked his whereabouts on Sunday night when Paige's car was found ablaze, he admitted that he had left the house. He claimed that he went back to the RV shop to turn the shop lights off, just 500 feet from where the car was burning. But he claimed he had nothing to do with the burning car. It was just an amazing coincidence. Despite the seeming mountain of evidence, police had no crime other than the burning car. There was no body. They really had no clue whether Paige was dead or if she was being held somewhere or if she had just run off on her own accord. Proving he was guilty of anything beyond a reasonable doubt would be a risk. Police had no choice but to set Lester Jones free. Two weeks later, on July 16th, a motorist traveling on Highway 50 stopped to fix a flat tire. While changing their tire, they noticed a checkbook lying on the side of the road. It was Paige Bergfeld's. Police were notified and an extensive search started off Highway 50. Spread all along the highway between Grand Junction and Whitewater, Colorado, they found over two dozen personal items belonging to Paige, such as her blockbuster video card, clothing, and her children's medical cards. Police speculated that Paige had been kidnapped and was leaving a trail of breadcrumbs by throwing her personal items out the window of a moving vehicle. Even with this new evidence, there wasn't enough to bring any charges against Jones. The case went cold, and nothing happened for another five years. In the spring of 2012, about 40 miles south of Grand Junction, in an area called Wells Gulch, a hiker came across a human skull near the Gunnison River. The flesh around the skull had long since decomposed, but there was still duct tape around the jawline and the back of the head. It was obvious this person had died against their will. Over the course of almost a year, the Gunnison River was searched for more remains. Police found bones distributed across a mile of the Twisting River. 
On March 6, 2013, Paige Bergfeld was pronounced dead. It took another year and a half for prosecutors to put together a case that they believed was strong enough to convict Lester Jones, and they finally arrested him on November 21, 2014. Jones's trial didn't start for an additional year and a half in June 2016. Paige's family were devastated to find that the first trial ended in a mistrial. Nine jurors believed Jones was guilty, but three of them still believed there was reasonable doubt. The prosecuting attorney believed that because Paige led a secret life as an escort, some of the jurors may have believed she knew she was putting herself in harm's way and didn't deserve proper justice. The second trial started the following month. During the trial, Jones's wife was a witness and testified that Lester had left the house that Sunday night when the car was found burning. She said that she suspected her husband of seeing other women. As the jury was deliberating, they came back with a question. They wanted the prosecution to replay a strange recorded phone conversation that they had played earlier between a police officer and Lester Jones. Sergeant Art Smith was calling Jones to return one of his impounded vehicles to him during the investigation when Jones made some odd comments. Sergeant Smith, if you need us to bring one to you or come and pick one of you up, we can do that for you. Lester Jones, I don't think so. Sergeant Smith, um, Mr. Jones, I'm not following you. Lester Jones, you asked me where I would bury a body. Sergeant Smith, I'm sorry? Lester Jones, you asked me where I would bury a body. Sergeant Smith, when did I ask you that? Almost 10 years after Paige Bergfeld went missing, the jury finally came back with a verdict. Lester Jones was found guilty on all counts of kidnapping and murder. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. As we draw the curtains on this chapter of our journey together, I want to take a moment to reflect on the path we've traveled, the stories we've shared, and the moments that have brought us closer. This isn't just the end of an episode. It's the culmination of this part of our podcast, a pause before the next leap forward. We're already in the workshop crafting new episodes and weaving a seasonal aspect into our podcast that we believe will bring even more depth, enjoyment, and connection to our community. Your support, your feedback, and your enthusiasm have been the bedrock on which this podcast stands. And as we look to the future, your role in our journey becomes even more significant. If our episodes have added a spark to your day, consider supporting us by subscribing to our subscription on Apple Podcasts. It's a small gesture, but like the single flap of a butterfly's wing, it can have far-reaching effects. Your support helps us continue to create, to share, and to bring more of what you love to your ears. Thank you for delving into the shadows with us. Your curiosity fuels our darkest tales. We eagerly await to disturb your nights again soon. Until then, stay curious, stay alert, and above all, don't sleep.
Thanks for listening to True Crime Sleep Stories. If you aren't asleep yet, consider following the show. Maybe our next story will give you the peace of mind you desperately need. Or not.